It's you know you ought to try it sometimes. It's harder up here than it than it seems. And uh, and when you're looking back at that bunch of mugs, I mean it's tough. I, no, I'm picking, but it is. Y'all are a great crowd, but it's uh, tough. And they did a great job, and I I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have the the junior church kids up here. And so junior church kids, don't forget right after service, you guys will go downstairs and we'll we'll feed you downstairs. And also we have some folks that are looking for some best kids sitting up nice and straight, really paying attention. I'm not really concerned. I'm not really concerned about our junior church kids, but now these two up here, I don't know about. I, I'm not sure. See, he's not even paying attention. He don't even know I'm talking about it. See there? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, let's get in our Bibles today. Amen. I want you to turn. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, right after the book of Colossians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, when you find your place, uh, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand with us today, give you one last chance to stretch your legs and also we'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I've got, uh, starting in verse 17 on the screen, but I want to back up and start a little sooner than that. I want us to start in verse 13. And uh, boy, even this morning, God just gave me something from this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Now, I want you to notice Chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul said, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it has come to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also hope also to see you, therefore, brethren, We were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. 
for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. And so you may be seated this morning. And I want to draw your attention. There are several key verses here. And I want you to hold your place the whole time at 1 Thessalonians. We're going to move around a little bit in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, but I want to draw your attention especially to verse number 3. That's our text this morning. Paul, speaking to this church, says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. And then he says, for yourselves know that we're appointed thereunto. And then in verse number four, he said that we should suffer tribulation. We're going to have problems, Paul said. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems that are going to arise. Even if you're saved, there's going to be problems. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject this morning, an anchor of the soul. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. This is not going to be a long message. I'm not going to preach long, I don't think, unless the Lord does something. But I'm not going to preach that long this morning. And so I'm going to ask you to really give me your undivided attention today. And, uh, and since preacher's not going to preach very long, and we're going to be dismissed in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you that you do your best not to get up or go out. Just really try to stay real still while I preach today. Now, you may not feel like you need something this morning, but somebody here today might be really hurting and they need desperately to get something from the Lord. And so we don't want to distract them in any way. All right, so we're going to pray now. And I want you to pray while I'm praying. I want you to pray to the Lord with me. And so let's go to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for the great morning we've had, great service, great music, uh, the great specials. Choir did great today. We just thank you. Now, Lord, as we come to take a few moments to just get into this book and dig into the book of 1 Thessalonians. God, I pray that you would encourage us today. And I pray that we'll leave here. Lord, I pray we'll leave here with our fire lit. God, I pray that we'll leave here with our spiritual fuel tank being topped off. God, I, 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 I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service. And I pray that you'll keep the, the powers of darkness out. And God, I pray that you'll keep your blessings within. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ will receive glory and I pray that souls will be saved and that the saints will be greatly encouraged. Help us, please, Father. I pray for power now. Oh, how I need your touch. And we thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. As, as you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's easy, I believe, to surmise that Paul is evidently in a bad way. I don't doubt that Paul's health is suffering here because Paul's health often suffered. But when Paul mentions affliction in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul is not speaking of health afflictions. He's not speaking of, of, of some of the maladies and some of the things that, that he suffered with physically. But when Paul mentions afflictions in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul is, is speaking of persecution. And it must have been severe persecution because the apostle Paul, if you can read his thoughts and his heart here, Paul said to the church of Thessalonica, he said, I wanted to come to you. He said, man, I longed, I desired to come to you and visit the church and to see how the church was doing. But Paul says it simply wasn't safe to do so because of all the persecution that's going on. 
Now, you don't have to turn there. You can if you'd like to, but I want you to hold your place at 1 Thessalonians because we're going to go right back there. But it's interesting when you take Scripture and compare Scripture with Scripture. If you go to Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17 gives us a little window into this affliction that the Apostle Paul is speaking of. And Paul tells us exactly what's going on here that he refers to in the book of 1 Thessalonians. In Acts 17 and verse number 1, Paul said, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, in verse 2, and he said, And Paul, as his manner was, went into, uh, unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that Jesus, that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, great multitude, and of the cheap women, not a few. In other words, they had a lot of people believe, a lot of people saved. Verse 5, but, and how many know that whenever the Lord starts working, usually there's a but in there somewhere. And he says in verse 5, but, he said, the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the, of the baser sort and gathered a company, look what he says, and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Brother, I mean, there is a great uproar in, these, in this city. And Paul says, I wanted to come. I wanted to come. I wanted to, to care for you. I wanted to preach to you. I, I wanted to love on you. I wanted to, to disciple you. I wanted to fellowship with you. And Paul says, but it's just not safe to do so because there's so much affliction. Paul, as we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul mentions in verse number 3 these words, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. How many know today that life has its share of afflictions? Life has its share of problems. Boy, kids, man, we love you this morning. And we don't preach at you and ask you to listen because we're mad at you. Man, we, we ask you to listen because we know that as you get older, life's not going to get simpler. It's going to get more complicated. And the problems aren't going to get smaller. The problems are going to get larger. And life's going to get a lot more complicated. And, and the truth of the matter is, the, uh, the, the, the true question is not, are problems going to come? The true question is, when are the problems going to come? Problems are going to come. We need not be surprised. The Bible says in Job chapter 14 and verse number one, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so I want you to understand that affliction is going to come. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul for affliction to come. You don't have to be a deacon in a Baptist church for affliction to come. Affliction is going to come. Problems are going to come. And here's the message. Affliction, if we're not careful, has the ability to move us. Affliction has the ability to shake our faith, to, to quench our fire, to, to bring discouragement. Uh, affliction has the power to move us. 
And how many times have we seen people get saved and come into the church and things are going great and they're excited about being saved and they're excited about living the Christian life, but then problems come and afflictions come and, uh, and the devil begins to pull on them and the powers of darkness begin to fight against them and little by little, we see them get discouraged and we see them begin to slip away. And I'm telling you, my dear friend, listen, and by the way, we all better take notice because none of us are above this thing. Affliction has the power to move us. But here's the great thing. It doesn't have to. And Paul says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. I believe in 1 Thessalonians, Paul mentioned some anchors. Some anchors that'll keep you from moving during your time of affliction. I remember when I, I, when I mentioned anchor, my mind goes back. My dad used to love to catfish. Man, he uh, used to love to catfish. And dad would like, he, he liked to catfish right up at the base of the dam. And uh, now, when you fish there, you got to know what you're doing. And so I don't know how done it, how dad done it, but man, we would put in at the landing and, and dad would, uh, man, he would take that boat. He knew exactly where to go. He knew exactly how to miss the rocks. And man, he would zigzag up that river and, we would get right up at the base of a dam and, and that water's churning and water's moving. And, uh, and um, man, I remember going there. I remember catching over 80 catfish in one day over there at the dam. Big, some of them were big. And, uh, but dad would get my brother on the front and he'd get me on the back and he'd, we'd get the anchors in our hands and, and dad would say, now boys, when I get the boat positioned just right, I'm gonna holler. And he said, I want you to drop those anchors. And so, man, he'd work his way up there in that dam. Man, that water's just rushing, you know. And Dad would get that boat just right. He'd say, drop them, drop the anchors. And we'd drop those anchors. They weren't very fancy. Usually they were sort of rusty, and, but they were heavy. And uh, we'd drop those anchors, and those anchors would, would hold that boat. Even in that moving water, those anchors would hold that boat still. And I believe the Apostle Paul comes, and Paul says, you know what, Christian, if you're not careful, You'll move during a time of affliction. But Paul, as you begin to read through this book, Paul says, let me give you some things. Let me give you some anchors. Let me give you some things that you can drop down. And even in these, uh, even in these days of problems and afflictions and storms and valleys, and I know some of you this morning are going through a storm. You're going through a valley. And I want to talk to you. I want to speak to your valley this morning a little bit. And I want to give you some anchors that will hold you still in a time of affliction. How about, how about this? I put several things up on the screen. Number one, we notice the anchor of a changed life. Would you take your Bibles and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter three and look at verse number five. Now I want you to really follow what Paul is saying here. Verse number five of chapter three. Paul said, for this cause when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Verse six, Paul said, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Look what Paul said. He said, for now we live. If ye stand fast, in the Lord. 
You know what Paul is saying? Man, Paul's saying, church, when I heard, when Timothy came back and Timothy told us, Paul, they're going on for God. They're living for Jesus Christ. They've not backed up. They've not backslid. They've not moved. They're still going forward. They're still living for Jesus. Paul said, I want to tell you what, brother, that brought great encouragement to us. He said, man, even in a time of affliction, you know what Paul is saying? Paul said, it reminds us, it's been worth it all. Man, all the affliction, it's been worth it, man. And Paul said, because we've heard that you're staying with the stuff. Paul said, we're gonna stay with the stuff and we're gonna keep on serving God. I wanna tell you what, brother, if you wanna anchor in a time of affliction, you know what it ought to be? It ought to be a changed life. I'm telling you, brother, listen, you talk about sometimes, and I know what, I know how to sometimes life gets discouraging. And sometimes, boy, quit knocks on your door. I'm telling you, brother, most preachers quit knocks on our door every Monday morning especially when you have a bad day or a down day or you don't have a lot of decisions or, or you don't feel like at least God did what you wanted him to do and the devil comes and the devil says it's not worth it. The devil comes to the deacon and says it's not worth it. The devil comes to the Sunday school teacher and says it's not worth it. The devil comes to the Christian that's trying to live for Christ and said it's not worth it. Y'all to just throw in the towel. Y'all to just quit. Y'all to just leave. But brother, when you begin to look around and you see some lies that have been changed by the power of the gospel by the power of Christ it motivates you to go on a little further man when, a, when, when a discouragement comes and I, I begin to think I, I begin to think about those young men that right now right now while I'm preaching behind a pulpit we have young men that came in this church and were saved in this church and grew up in this church and right now while I'm preaching the gospel we have young men out across America that are also preaching the gospel and pastoring churches I want to tell you what brother if that don't light your fire something's wrong somewhere Man, that'll, that'll, that'll motivate you. And the devil says, the devil says, boy, you ought to quit. And I think, well, Lord, but, but wait a minute. I got a preacher boy over here that's preaching Jesus. And I got a preacher boy down there that's preaching Jesus. And I got a preacher boy up there that's preaching Jesus. And I got, a, I got a, a boy that was a bus kid that rode the buses here at Calvary Baptist Church that's serving as a youth pastor over at Iron Station, North Carolina. And one that came in on the buses, a bus kid that got saved here who's pastoring over in Harmony, North Carolina. And when you begin to think about that, brother, I want to tell you what, that'll anchor your soul. Man, when discouragement comes and I begin to think about, I begin to think about those young people who grew up in this church but they're no longer, I, I call them kids, but they're not kids anymore. I say, hey, kids, but they're not. They have kids now. They're my kids, but they're not kids. They're adults. Now they have wedding bands on their fingers and little tots running around. And they're paying their own rent, their own mortgage, and they've got their own cars, and they're no longer living under the roof of mom and dad, young people that grew up right here uh, on this property and grew up right here uh, in this ministry. And now those same young people are teaching Sunday school classes and those same young people are helping clean the church and those same young people are helping to run the buses and those same young people are helping to sing in the choir and those same young people are helping to serve in the nursery and those same young people are serving Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, brother, that's motivation. Oh yes, when I think about when I think about those church members who are going through the fire right now, when I think about those church members who are 
who are in the, in the fight of their life right now, fighting the storm of their life right now, and yet they're here in their place, fulfilling their responsibility, doing their service to God. By the way, it's not about, uh, it's not about someone else. It's all about Jesus. And I see those church members show up. I see them show up, and I see them continue to live for God. Brother, I want to tell you what, that motivates me. When I look around this crowd and I see people who we love, my wife and I love them very much, who this year or last year or the year before went through, I went through unbelievable heartbreak as for some reason, and I don't, I don't pretend to understand, but for some reason God decided to take somebody that was nearest and dearest to them and take them on to heaven. I don't understand all that, but I've watched some of those same people who went through the fire and who went through a time of loss and a time of heartache, but yet they're staying faithful to God and serving the Lord and loving Jesus and they've got a good spirit. And I want to say, hip, hip, hooray. Hey, brother, I want to tell you what, that'll motivate you in a downtown. A changed life. A changed life. By the way, may I, may I say this this morning? Children, you can be a great motivator to your parents. Now, you don't know yet, but I'm going to tell you what, having kids is tough. And having kids is expensive. And having kids is busy. I don't think any of us really survive without losing a little bit of our sanity. That's why we've got those jerks and quirks. And, and uh, I mean, you think about it, there's fundraisers and there's soccer practice and there's football practice and there's tennis practice and there's softball practice and there's baseball practice and there's helping with the homework and there's going to buying the school clothes and then uh, then they get a hole in that pair of pants you got to go buy some more pants and then you got to buy some more shoes and there's ball games and medical expenses and there's taking care of a sick child but I just said that to say this but when your parents see you trying to do right when your parents see you trying to live for Jesus when your parents and see you at least making an effort to do what's right. I'm here to tell you, it is a great motivator to your mom and dad. But, but also in the same way, a child that doesn't try and is rebellious can be a great discourager to their parents. Proverbs 17, 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father. And bitterness to her that bear him. I spoke with a man. I spoke with a man just this week, and and just tried to encourage him. Doesn't attend this church, but I spoke with a man this week, and he said, preacher. He said, I'm. I, he said, I don't understand it. He said, I try and try and try to love my kids, and and he said, I try to pour into them, and he said, it seems like sometimes I get so little back. Sometimes he said, when I try my best to love them and push them toward the Lord, he said, but they, they, they return it with disrespect and they return it with a no-care attitude. And he said, sometimes I wonder if it's worth it. And I look back at that man and I said, you keep fighting, keep fighting. Don't you give up. You keep fighting. It's gonna be worth it after all. I'm telling you kids, listen to me. If you'll stand for God and live for God and make something out of your life, you'll encourage your mom and dad in a great way. And by the way, church, if we're gonna see changed lives, you know what that means? We're gonna have to make some investments. Did you know no life is ever born without some travail? If you're gonna see a changed life, I gotta get off this point, but if you're gonna see a changed life, man, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to make an investment. 
Did you notice what Paul said? Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7. Paul said, verse number 7, but we were gentle among you. Even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, watch this now, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Hey, Calvary, can I just remind us this morning, if we're gonna have changed lives, it's going to require some sacrifice. No life is ever born without travail. If we're gonna see some changed lives, it's gonna require some sacrifice on a bus route. It's gonna require some time ministering in a nursing home and pushing. By the way, we don't usually race people to the nursing home. There's not usually a large line waiting to minister at the nursing home. And uh, uh, you know what? A lot of people don't care about those older folks that may drool just a little bit and they suffer from some dementia. And, uh, and maybe some feel like they don't make a huge contribution to the church, but how many know they're precious to God? And it's gonna take some sacrifice uh, for us to push those wheelchairs up there and minister to those folks. It's gonna take some sacrifice of studying and preparing for a Sunday school lesson or going into a prison and preaching to some inmates or passing out a gospel track or pouring yourself into, the, into your children and bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I'm telling you, brother, listen, you want something that'll anchor you. Hey, a changed life. A changed life. Now listen, I gotta, I gotta get off this point. But kids, listen to me. You know, listen, one of the reasons that preacher tries to do right, because I got a mom and daddy now, they're getting on up there. And you know what? For years and years and years, they poured into me and poured into me and poured into me and poured into me. And man, if I left the will of God now, I'd, I'd disappoint them. And man, I'd discourage them. And, and uh, uh, you know what, man? I've got to keep on keeping on. And uh, I'm just telling you, Brother Paul says, in a time of affliction, you need an anchor. And that anchors a changed life. But how about this? How about this number two? We notice the anchor of a correct association. Now look back at 1 Thessalonians again, but I want you to look at verse, uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5. And look at verse number 9. And Paul, now don't, don't, don't forget Paul's talking about terrible affliction. But in chapter 5 and verse 9, Paul says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now look at verse 11, church. Paul said, wherefore, comfort yourselves. What's the next word? Together. Comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to seem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Look at what he says. And be at peace among yourselves. Can I just hit this and go to the last point? When you're going through a difficult time, it's so important to put the right, right kind of people around you. Did you know that? Man, when you're going through a storm, hey, church, listen to me now. Hey, kids, listen to me now. When you're going through a time of affliction, it's so important to put the right kind of people around you. Can I, hey Tim, can I use you just a minute? Come on up here, just a minute. And uh, I remember years ago when I was going to Bible college 
on Sunday night, we would bring our best teenagers back to church with us. They would go to the service, and, and because they lived in Chicago, we would often get them back late that night on Sunday night. Well, Chicago, 120 games in Chicago. Man, we'd roll those buses back up into North Chicago there, and often it'd be 9 or 10 o'clock at night, or maybe even later. And some of the gangs had begun to, had begun to formulate, it's dark now, and the gangs had begun to hang out on the sidewalk, and so we would have to drop those teenagers off, go to their home. And so as we put up close to their house, and maybe we had to walk, you know, a block or so down the road to get them to their home, we noticed the gang was hanging out. And so this is what we would do. Rick, can I use you just, use you just a minute? We would uh, take some preacher boys. Donnie, can I use you just a minute? Come on up here just a minute. Brother Allen, can I use you just a minute? Come on up here just a minute. Brother Ricky, you get behind Brother Tim. Brother Donnie, you get right here beside Brother Tim. Brother Allen, you get right here beside Brother Tim right there. Brother David, can I use you just a minute? Uh, and uh, come on up here, and I want you to get right here in front of Brother Tim, if you will. And we'd say, well, we're glad you came today. Appreciate you coming. We'd drop, you know, we'd stop. We'd open that door. And a bunch of preacher boys would get around that bus kid, that bus teenager. We'd get all the way around her or all the way around him, and we'd begin to walk him home. The gang would be hanging out on the sidewalks. And you know what we'd do? We'd just walk right through the gang. And we'd take them right up. Let's turn around and go the other way, guys. And we'd take them all the way to the front door and make sure they got in safe and sound. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Now, you say, preacher, why'd you say that? Because it's important when you're going through a time of affliction that you do the same kind of thing. Man, when you're going through hard times, you don't want to go to the world. When you're going through hard times, you don't want to go to your worldly friends and your lost friends and those people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm telling you, brother, when you're going through a spiritual valley, when the devil is fighting you, when the demon forces are fighting you, it is so important that you take the right kind of people and put them in front of you and beside you and behind you and let them help you and encourage you. An anchor, Paul says, an anchor, the anchor of a changed life, the anchor of a correct association. But oh man, Paul said we're going through a, a tough time, but Paul said, let me give you an anchor, the anchor of a coming Savior. Would you go back to First Thessalonians, but I want you to go to chapter four. And Paul says in chapter four and verse number 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, Paul said, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, <laughs> Paul says, man, I mean, it's a terrible time of persecution right now, but Paul begins to think. Paul begins to, Paul begins to hold on to those anchors. And Paul says, but we, then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look what he says in verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey, Calvary, I'm glad your pastor can come today and tell you this is not 
The end. <laughs> yes, sir, man. As I read this this week and God began to speak to my heart, I wanted to jump up and shout and say, hallelujah, hallelujah to God. Hey, this life is not all there is. Oh, yes. In fact, James said in James chapter 4 and verse 14, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Man, I'm glad I can tell some of you that are going through the fire right now, this isn't it. This isn't all there is. Several weeks ago, we, uh, uh, Pastor Cardwell had us come up and we uh, ministered there at their marriage retreat. Had a great time. They had a great crowd of couples and we had a great time. We love Brother Brian and Miss April. They're a blessing. And they uh, were with us at our retreat this year and just did such a great job. Anyway, we got up there early so we could get all of our stuff set up and projectors set up and computers set up and all that. So we got up there a little early and uh, we went to the beautiful place where they were having this thing. And we went by the front desk and I said, yes, ma'am, I'm uh, Steve Pope. This is my wife, Tammy, and we're here for the, for the retreat. She said, oh, yes, yes, sir. And she said, we have your keys ready. And she pulled out uh, some keys and gave, gave us the keys and my wife and I, we went out and took one of those little carts and we loaded up our luggage and our clothes and things. And anyway, we went over and I think we'd up on, we were on the sixth floor, I think. Elevator door open and we took a right and walked down to our room and, and uh, I hit that little key on the door there and a little green light came on. I opened the door and man, as soon as we opened that door and I looked in, I thought, wow, wow, what a room. I mean, when we first opened the door, we were like, whoa, this is a large room, very nice. We walked in, and man, I mean, it was a big, gigantic thing. I mean, sofa and sitting chairs and kitchen and a and, uh, couple closets and I mean, all kind of things. And then we noticed that wasn't all. There was another door. And we went over to that door and looked in. Then there was this huge bedroom with a gigantic uh, king-sized bed and, and, uh, and a huge balcony that you could walk out on and look over the Blue Ridge Mountains. And, and uh, Now, wait a minute now. You say, oh, what's your point? My point is, brother, that when we walked in that first room, it was pretty good, but that wasn't it. There was more to it. That wasn't all that there was. Several weeks ago, several weeks ago, a good crowd of our people traveled down to a place called Nairway Theater. And we watched a story called uh, Not Just Another Love Story. It was good. I mean, man, for about an hour and a half, those people, man, they performed their hearts out. And it was a blessing. It was great. But about an hour and a half through, they came and they said, now, folks, we're going to take an intermission. And we want you to go to the concession stand and we want you to get some ice cream and we want you to get some frappe or whatever that is. And we want you to go get some popcorn. And, uh, and you know what our Calvary folk did? That's exactly what they did. And uh, they went and got frappes and popcorn and, and, uh, and all kind of other stuff. And uh, wait a minute now. And then we turned around and came back and they had a second showing. And showed the rest, of, the rest of the story, if you will. Now, wait a minute now. Which point? My point is, that first part, that wasn't all there was. There was something after that. Several years ago, in fact, it's been a long time ago now. 
It's my wife and I, our 11th year anniversary. We'd been married 11 years, and I said, we're going to do something special this year. We packed our baggage, and we drove down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, my wife and I, we enjoy going to Charlotte every once in a while. But you know what? Charlotte wasn't the end of the story. We went to the Douglas Airport there in Charlotte. We got on, are you listening? We got on an airplane, and from Charlotte, North Carolina, we flew to Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to go to Atlanta, Georgia. But anyway, we flew to Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, but you know what? Atlanta, Georgia was not all there was to it. We got another plane in Atlanta, Georgia. And from Atlanta, Georgia, we flew all the way across the country with our noses pressed up against the windows because we had not done that in a long, long, long time. And we flew in a place called Los Angeles, California, LAX. But that wasn't all. Then we got on a plane and we flew 2,000 more miles over the Pacific Ocean to a place called Hawaii, Maui. I remember, I remember, we had never been, of course, and I remember before we ever got there, people, uh, they had been there evidently before, and people began to look out the windows and they said, there it is, there it is, there it is. My wife and I, we began to look out the window and we're like, wow. I've never seen such clear waters and beautiful mountains and beautiful islands in all my, my born days. And we landed there in Maui and, and got off the, uh, off the airplane and they came uh, and they put these uh, flowers around our necks and, uh, and beautiful smelling uh, orchids. And, and we walked out, man, it was uh, 80, about 80 degrees. Of course, it's about 80 degrees there every single day and hey, about 80 degrees and beautiful palm trees and beautiful sunshine and beautiful water and beautiful mountains and beautiful rainforest and I, I, now you say well, well what's your point preacher thank God we don't mind Charlotte but Charlotte was not all there was and, and thank God for Atlanta Georgia but Atlanta Georgia was not all there was and thank God for Los Angeles California but Los Angeles California was not all there was thank God we were headed to a better destination called Hawaii and I just said that to say this there's some of you here this morning that are going through the time of your life I mean you're going through a storm you're going through an affliction and the devil comes the devil says you ought to stop the devil says y'all to quit. The devil says y'all to throw the towel in. But I just came here to tell you this is not the end. There is more coming. The Bible says, are you listening children? The Bible says there's coming a day when a trumpet is going to sound and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will come and all those who are saved all those who are born again, the Bible says we will be raptured out to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And wait a minute now. Only those that are born again are going. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you don't know for sure that you're born again, the Bible says when that trumpet blows, and when God's people take off to glory, the Bible says those that are lost will stay here. And brother, it will be a terrible, terrible, terrible time of tribulation such as the world has never seen. Now if you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, boy, I'll tell you what I'd do. 
before this service is done, man, I'd get down here as fast as I could. And I'd say, preacher, can you take the Bible and show me how I can know for sure I'm going to heaven? You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a Christian. But I'm going through a, a time of affliction right now. And I know that affliction's trying to move me. I know what it is. Hey, child of God, would you throw those anchors out today? That anchor of a changed life, that anchor of a correct association, and that anchor of a coming Savior. He's coming. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? I wonder how many, how many are here today with nobody, just for a moment, nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody talking just for a moment. I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. And if you can honestly say that, would you just, real quickly, would you slip up your hand, take it back down again. Praise the Lord, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Can I ask this second question, and it's so important. I wonder how many may be here today, and you'd say, preacher, if I died today, I'm going to have to be honest about something. I'm really not sure. Preacher, please understand something. I want to go to heaven, but I just don't know for sure. Pastor, I want you to make sure you understand something. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm also not really sure that I'm going to heaven. And I want you to, I want you to pray for me. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that Christ is my Savior. Would you do this? Would you just slip your hand up right now? Let me pray for you right now. Right now, all right? Okay. I see that hand and I see a hand right there. I wonder who else? Who else? You'd slip up your hand right now. You're serious about it. and You'd say, Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I see it. I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? Pastor, pray for me. If I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me in your prayers? Thank you so much for raising your hands and being honest. I appreciate that. Man, that's a blessing. Is there anybody else before I pray? Anybody else? I see that little hand back there. Real quickly, before I say this prayer, I want to ask you this. I wonder how many Christians are here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm saved, but man, oh man, it's sort of affliction time right now. Devil's been fighting. Discouragement's been sort of knocking on my door. Preacher, you pray for me that I'll anchor my soul. Just, just remember me, Pastor. God knows what it's about. You slip your hand up right now. Say, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Boy, a lot of hands. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. All over the house this morning. Amen. Right before I pray, would you do me a, a favor? Would you stand with us all over the house with our heads bowed and our eyes closed very quietly? Father, thank you so much for your blessings today.
And God, I thank you for these that have raised their hands this morning. And Lord testified that they're not sure that they're going to heaven. So Lord, in just a moment, I pray that you'll help them to come. And I pray that, Lord, that they'll allow us to take the Bible and show them from the Bible how they can be saved. How they can become a Christian, a believer. Know for sure they're going to heaven. Then, Lord, I pray you'd help Christians to come and get on this altar today, going through an affliction, and say, Lord, would you anchor my soul? Would you anchor my soul? Oh, God. Father, I pray you'd have your way now, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's keep our heads bowed just for a moment.